powered by Riverside FM. Like Raven Software, its development team was composed of children of the Dungeons & Dragons era. The role-playing game had an indelible influence on the titles they made, subtle or not. The Cacodemons of Doom owe their design to the beholders of that fictional setting, for example. But sometimes concepts from their campaigns provided the backbone for full releases. As the games industry migrated to fully polygonal projects, it would do the same as they worked on their follow-up to Doom. Shifting away from the gun metal and hellfire of the Martian base, this new title would embrace the extra dimension of 3D in its multiplayer setting. There was no one world here, but multiple with different themes throughout. It's a concept that caused to mind the Planescape multiverse setting for D&D, but what tied id's take on the idea was their now signature combat style, and a name taken from one of their campaigns, the weapon wielded by John Carmack's Barbarian, Quake. What differed Quake from Doom, outside of its immediate presentation, was how much more could be wrung out of the concept. The Space Marine could only fight demons in our solar system, Quake could go anywhere. And eventually it would. In its second title, the moody atmosphere and Nine Inch Nails soundtrack of the first was replaced with a science fiction battle between soldiers and cybernetic enemies. Quake 2 toes the line between Quake 1 and Doom yet the combat remained the same as the former, as did its general pacing, 3D design and tone. Almost in a mist to mend the schism between these two new multiverses, the third entry in the Quake franchise would be an arena shooter that tied them together. Almost like the battle world of Marvel Comics, champions from across the Quake multiverses could come together and fight for supremacy. Not only did the game give the characters of Quake 2 some much needed R&R, but it once again returned to the unlimited potential the first game proposed. It seems fitting then that the team that would impress id with their D&D credentials would eventually end up here. At the start of the HD era, Raven Software were given the opportunity to play in id's Quake multiverse for a brand new title. The question was, how were they going to follow on from what had been a sterling trilogy? Pick up where the first or second games left off? reimagine the arena shooter of the third game, or create something entirely new. On this episode of Bullet Time, our mini-series on the shooters of Raven Software continues with 2005's Quake 4. Getting the stuff. So there was a movie that came out when Quake okay. 4 came out that is very, uh, very related. Oh, is it a... Oh, we could turn this... Because usually we do the quiz at the end where we try and figure out like what the best-selling games are. Maybe as a twist on this episode, maybe I could try and guess what the film is and maybe what the number one song in the charts is as well. News I don't think I'm, I'm going to have much that. luck on. Like, it could be anything. But um, I, might, I might have a go at uh, trying to figure out what the film and the uh, song is. Throw me some clues. Yeah. Um, yeah I suppose then, um, just so we can get to the good stuff. Uh, hello, folks. Welcome back to uh, Bullet Time, the video game podcast that analyzes the shooters that miss their mark. I will say good news. We're finally living up to the tagline 
of this podcast. This is, by all accounts, the shooter that I, well, I think both of us maybe do consider probably has missed its mark in a pretty big way. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it wildly. Yeah, it, its it mark. shot yeah. incredibly wide um, in the respects of, uh, well, the brand that it was working within the prestige of both the parent company that the brand came from and also raven software at this point because folks as uh, as you may be aware this is a another entry in our se- in our mini series on the games of uh, raven software called that's so raven mostly the shooters though that we're looking at although i may uh, get a little bit into where they were at this time but before we go any further uh joining me on this adventure through the software of raven is the Strog Macon of video game <laughs> literature, given from Pixel Lit. Hey, how are we? We're doing. We're uh, we're doing it. Quake Four. We're doing it, folks. Yeah, we are. We get into the the big four. Yeah. Um, a game which before we, when we were in the research process of this podcast, literally about to hit record on the first episode, I went, "Oh, we missed one." <laughs> and you were like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, there's a." Uh, because uh, uh, well okay so here's the thing folks so jedi academy comes out in 2003 and then the next game that we're covering um wolfenstein 2009 comes out 2009 and i knew that raven software had had a couple of games in between so they had done the x-men legend games which are top-down gauntlet style kind of action rpg games which would then become marvel Ultimate alliance and they also did the Wolverine um, X-Men Origins game, which, by all counts, pretty good. I, you know, if we ever do um, maybe Raven Reloaded or something, we may Ooh, go that, into the details a, of that. That's a good name for a podcast series, you know? Just it like, really is, yeah. If we, a second miniseries, we call it Raven like a Reloaded. Patreon yeah. series, too. It could be Raven Reloaded or something like that, you know? Show that Patreon, folks. <laughs> We've got to got push for it. Hey, should CCYD, yeah. Slash Hot Cider, there you go. Yeah, but I was like, it seems weird that they didn't make another FPS game between those two, because Jedi Academy and Wolfenstein are very different. Like, one is the end of the Quake 3 era, where it's still kind of boxy, arena-ish design, and although they're doing kind of cool Jedi powers, you know, that's about as high as it gets. And then Wolfenstein, for all intents and purposes, feels like a game from 10 years ago, because it is. And then we discovered... That actually, no, Raven Software did develop a game in between those two. A pretty big and important game. Yeah. In all regards. Uh, a game which is called Quake 4. Four. As in, it is the fourth game in the Quake quadrilogy. Count them. There's I guess. One, two, three, four Quakes. There are. There are four quakes. I guess there's five quakes at this point. Cause I mean, there's, there's more quakes quake since, champions. Yeah, but you know, the the this was the fourth quake, and I mean, it's that's a that's a proud lineage right there. Oh yeah, it is. Uh, it is a very important. Uh, yeah, as you said, it, it. I mean, I mean, where do we start on this? I guess. Well, first things first. I am quite excited to do this um, this mini quiz at the beginning. So first, we're going to put 2005 in context before we put. Sure quake in context so let's guess what the number one film with the box office was on i guess what the week of uh, october the 18th yeah so it's the weekend after october the 18th is is when this movie is number one uh at the box office 
Um, and okay. I, if I if I give you too many clues, I feel like I might give it away. Um, but it stars. Go, okay, go ahead. What? I was going to say, can I make a quick shot in the dark? Sure, shot in the dark. Guess. Is it the Doom movie? It is the Doom movie. Oh my god, it's the Doom movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Carl Urban. Wow. Have you seen the Doom movie? I sure have, yeah. I was I saw I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I know what I was doing that weekend. I think it was seeing Doom. <laughs> I I forced um because at the time I enjoyed going to the cinema and I enjoyed going to see anything that was on, but I saw that they were doing a Doom movie and not only that, it had my boy Dwayne the Rock Johnson in it because I just want to say folks, everybody for the part ever since Fast Five have been like, oh, Dwayne's my guy. I love seeing him in all sorts of films. No, 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 no. I was on the Dwayne train from Scorpion King. I knew that this guy was going to be a star. And so, oh God. Yeah. So I think I managed to force somebody from secondary school to go and see with me they have no probably have no recollection of it but yeah god this, that is a that is a video game ass movie this would have been my my senior year of college uh, of 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 undergrad so i was mm. i was uh i was in 2005 i guess i was 17 years old probably mm-hmm probably just drove by myself to a movie theater in Scranton, Pennsylvania and uh and watched watched uh Dwayne Dwayne Johnson then then known pretty much in, in, in exclusively as The Rock. I mean, he was he was still kind of warming up using his using his actual name uh in things. Um but yeah. It's, it's, I got a quick question for you though. When was the last time you saw the Doom movie? Was it that? It's weekend? probably yeah, October twenty first, two thousand five. <laughs> okay. Do you want to do you want to know something upsetting? Uh, when I moved into my new apartment back in May, and I didn't have a lot to do, I got very much into watching Netflix on my telly, mm-hmm. and I did a back to back fucking a a a colossal twosome of films. I watched. Van Helsing starring Hugh Jackman, Ooh. followed by Doom. Oh, that and... sounds wonderful. Sounds like a lot of oh. blue gel on lights. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll say this: uh, Van Helsing. I mean, if anybody wants me on a bad movie podcast, I will. I will go. I will go about for that. That is a that is a fun ass film. There is no downtime in that film everything is just on the up it's camp you know not what he's doing okay beckinsale knows what they're doing it's great it is it's like the mummy films but they just it's like if the mummy films did what the league of extraordinary gentlemen should have done which was being a fun monster mash movie exactly doom on the other hand has a lot of downtime in it to the point that i was just skipping to the good stuff which includes one a first-person section, which looks awful, but is really cool. And two, the bit where Dwayne the Rock Johnson goes into the experimental weapons lab, you see they have built a replica of the BFG from Doom 3, and they just show the shots of it rotating and the music going, 
and Dwayne the Rock Johnson going big fucking gun <laughs> and his delivery is not correct like it's not he doesn't feel like like it sounds like he's kind of embarrassed to say it as well like he just he doesn't read the line as yeah big fucking it's more just like he's reading what the name of the gun is off the box it says big fucking gun <laughs> yeah he does he's a, <laughs> yeah he's a, um okay Big fucking gun. It's like the the thing I damn. really loved about the new movie was the, the kind of bait and switch that they did, where it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's it's the Rock. He's the main. He's the hero. He's the main character. And you're like, no, it's it's Carl Urban is is yeah. the main John John Reaper, whatever is uh John Grim Reaper. and his uh his he's there to save his sister. I want to say. Played by yes. uh, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, Gone Girl. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, I, d- I didn't know that was <laughs> probably in an early role for her. God, what's her name? Um, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Do you think she was thinking at the time, like you know, this is this is just a stepping stone. Eventually, I'll be the lead of a David Fincher movie, but I just got to put it in the time. Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike. That's it. <laughs> God. And isn't like the central. Con- yes. The central conceit of that movie, as well, is that like they've been injecting people with extra chromosomes to give them superpowers, and it's like. Technically, that's not really what happens when you have extra chromosomes. That's not. That's not what that. That's not what happens when you know the the you, you do that. That's yeah. Not that's anyway. not quite right. Uh, <laughs> just, just to let you know. And it's funny. The one guy who, I mean, they like use the one guy who's in like the wheelchair to become like. Oh, he becomes uh, the pinky monster. Pinky. Yeah. yeah, he becomes pinky or something like that. It's it it it's interesting. Like they're it is peak like. Hollywood, oh, we have to fix it in order to make it work storytelling. Yeah. Um, where it's like everything has to have a very specific, um, and, and it's kind of why video game adaptations have consistently failed for the most part, is that <clears throat> instead of just relying on what worked in the game, it's like no, no. We have to, we have to fix it. We have to, we have to make it work right. You know. <laughs> but I would say the two movies an even weirder example of that because it is relatively close to the plot of one of the Doom games. But the Doom game it's close to is Doom Three, which itself was like we need to course correct from Doom One and Two. You know that, th- you know the tone that people really liked in Doom One and No, no, we got to. They people like Half Life now, so we need to make Doom like Half Life, and it's like no, yeah, don't do that. No, and that's what the film's like. It's most it's mostly a lot of people standing in rooms and talking. So the director of Doom was Andrzej uh, Bartkowiak. Um, mm-hmm. He's a Polish director. Well, he's a Polish cinematographer. Okay, who he's directed a few things as well. He has 40, 40 cinematography credits and ten directing credits. Um, his. Uh, Amongst his works are uh, Exit Wounds, uh, Romeo Must Die. Oh, good. Um, yeah. Cradle to the Grave, um, which uh, Cradle to the Grave starring Jet Li and, uh, and Earl Simmons, a.k.a. DMX, R.I.P. Oh, 
uh, DMX, <laughs> uh, Doom, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun Li, uh, which was a Street Fighter movie starring yeah. Kristen Kruk. Yeah, from uh, Smallville. As Chun Li. Yeah, from Smallville. Yeah, a Maximum Impact, uh, which is a movie starring people that you will have seen in other things, but should never necessarily be leading movies. Fair enough. Um, (laughs) And then most recently, uh, a movie called Dead Reckoning, which uh, was uh, starring KJ Appa, uh, better known as, um, what's his name from, um, um, oh, what, uh, Riverdale. Um, Archie. Oh, okay. Interesting. He's finally yeah. he's finally broken into Hollywood now. Oh, sexy he's bro- finally broken into 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 uh, uh, movies. Yeah. So good stuff. Um, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. Do you think he'll? Do you think they'll do a Quake adaptation at some point? And do you think they'll have him lined up for John Quake and Quake? John Quake. John Quake. <laughs> Quake, starring John Quake. John Quake is John Quake. John Quake. You know, this is something, and this is something I I would love to do more research on, but did you ever hear of um, these machinimas, the early, early machinimas, Quake movies? So Yes. People, yeah, they were, they predated people doing shit in Halo and putting it on YouTube and all that by, by several years. I remember... Uh, watching them and that's that's it's something i would love to dive a little bit deeper into mm. is uh these machinimas before the term machinima even existed were oh, these sure, quake yeah. movies um basically you could use quake to record the cut scenes like cut scenes of uh and you could set it up and all that stuff it was it was kind of neat yeah so i know that that came out of because one of the first well, like the nearly the first big speedrunning website was Quake World, because mm-hmm. Quake itself was built for yeah, it could generate video out of it. Because yeah, the intent was some games had screen um, screenshot sharing, but this would have like full on video sharing. And the idea was was hey, you can share this between your friends and you know race for times. But right, then right. They built Quake World, which is obviously <laughs> that's where you have the first proper speedrunning um, categories. But then, as you said. People use those tools to essentially, yeah, make their own little videos, skits and films and stuff, which, yeah, that's kind of where that whole thing kicks from. Interestingly enough, um, uh, future, uh, past and potential future guest host of this, um, Snake, he's also been, like, curious about making, like, a little documentary series about kind of the history of... Uh, machinima stuff because yeah i think it is just like such a interesting little error in regards to you know a lot yeah. of people get into animation through you know stop motion stuff because you know all you really need is a webcam and and and, and uh, also mario paint um, and mario paint as well yeah that's a really good one because yeah it was just like a I, full. i want to say the homestar the homestar runner guys yep their first episode uh, was done in mario paint to their first yep yeah, and then like Game Boy Camera as well. People were doing like very basic stop motion stuff with that, but um, and you know that all predates Flash, which I think is what most people's entry into that kind of like amateur animation stuff is as well. Which uh, 
That's right. what I used to do when I was a kid up until I discovered, um, I don't know, making videos on YouTube, I suppose. <laughs> I discovered other things. <laughs> um, funnily enough, though, uh, never played Quake. What about um, Quake? You you must have played yeah, Quake, yeah. yeah. I, I played, a, played a, a lot of Quake. I remember playing... Uh, I played Quake. I played um, um, Quake multiplayer. Mm. Um, I remember using uh, things like... Um, uh, I want to say... It was either GameSpy or something that predated GameSpy. Um, I remember using, I think using M Player mm. um, was a, like a multiplayer um, kind of like matchmaking service. Uh, I think those were those are what we used for Quake. I can't rightly recall because it is over twenty years ago. Oh, but. absolutely! Yeah. <laughs> and I fun- do remember playing. You know, camp. You know, yelling about campers and stuff like that. People camping on the spawn and things. And it's, uh, but yeah, I remember playing a fair amount of Quake multiplayer. Fair enough. And it's funny because like I kind of got into games just at the tail end of like Quake Free Arena. Like I started to play the stuff which was mostly influenced by what like Arena and Unreal Tournament would do. So like you know, you'd have Halo, which would yeah. have its own deathmatch and catch of the flag and you know vips and stuff like that and it was very much just kind of riffing on what these games had established and so i did put a little bit of time into quake live when that was a thing a couple of years ago though the um Hmm. it was like a little free-to-play in browser version of quake free arena where the idea was that Hmm. the entire thing was supported by ads like you wouldn't have to put any money into it you would just be in maps where it had like burger king commercials and stuff like that but i don't know it was unfortunately it didn't really catch on because of right the passive nature of it but i just always thought it was and the cool the thing that i stuck in my mind about it was that it shows it did skill-based like matchmaking but the way that it did it was that it had a little tutorial area and depending on how accurate you were and what kind of tricks you could do like if you could bunny hop and um surf it would put you like Mm -hmm. right to the top of the rankings and like depending how accurate you were as well and the only other game that i've seen do something similar to that is titanfall 2 where depending on how good you are at the obstacle courses that sets what your difficulty is going to be for the single player which i think is Right. It's a cool little idea because it, essentially it's... Yeah, it's a neat idea because, yeah, it establishes that you at least know the controls particularly well. Yeah. Before we move on, uh, let me try and figure out what the number one song is of 2005. Oh, sure. Of this week. Yeah, yeah. So number one song, 2005. This song has been at the top of the charts for quite a while. Okay. when, um, And it's inspired a little bit by a biopic that had come out and the lead oh, of that oh wait 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 i know it it's a gold digger by kanye west it is featuring jamie fox, fox. yeah <laughs> i always thought with that that the con that the con the idea was with that was that he wanted to get the ray charles sample couldn't clear it and so went to jamie fox and said hey you played ray can charles you just do an impression of can, can yeah can yeah. you do your ray charles impression from this film and Jamie Foxx, obviously, wanting to be the multimedia mogul that he is, is like, oh, Kanye West, yes, please, I'll do that. I'll have yes, I will. <laughs> God, yeah. Um, 
and and in the news the day after this comes out um the trial of saddam hussein begins oh god yeah right at the end of <laughs> well i mean i mean the this, iraq war didn't really end until a couple of years ago no no pulled out but that does feel like an end right of the era in a weird way yeah exactly saddam hussein so, folks who uh, appeared a couple of episodes ago when we were talking john about mullins's <laughs> close personal friend saddam hussein <laughs> yeah john mullins's <laughs> close personal friend saddam hussein <laughs> where you see his giant portraits around the iran level like he's hitler in wolfenstein 3d oh god um, all right that is a bad cough that you got yeah, I'm still getting over a a a, a thing. Um, um, I, so it, yeah, it, it, I was sick last week. <laughs> it was very dry last week, and now it's kind of wet and phlegmy. Oh, um, so which is that? I've always been told that that's a good thing because it means it's act, the the stuff that is in your lungs that is causing you to cough is now starting to yeah uh, expectorate. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good word. <laughs> it's not co- it's not covid though is it no i'm pretty sure it's not covid yeah, i think it's i think this was just a like a little flu well, that i was dealing with well that's good considering that we are both absolutely sharing a recording studio we're both exactly in the same place we're we're within a foot of each other you literally are we're, we're in, sharing a mic right now we're, we're in kissing <laughs> yeah, yeah we are we but we're both using wheatley at the moment see where we this um God, so what's the game that we're talking about today? Uh, well, we kind of alluded to it a little bit by talking about Quake, because, well, I mean, we've already announced what it is. It's Quake 4, which is... It's Quake 4. It's the fourth game in the Quake series, preceding Quake 2 and Quake 3 Arena. And kind of at the beginning, in the preamble of the episode, I sort of alluded to the fact of, like, well... Quake is a series is weird. Because you have Quake 1, and the idea is, is that they want to do something a little bit more cerebral than Doom, which is such a weird thing to say, because, like, Doom yeah. is... Uh, Quake isn't a smart game by any... Like, it's not... <laughs> it's not clever. It's not Dear Esther. It's not like... Um, it's not like a Chinese room game. It is... You run through a level, and you shoot people and push buttons, and... Right. But... Like, in regards to what it's trying to go for tone-wise, it's a little bit more mature than Doom. Like, they've gone from heavy metal to metal-inspired, like, industrial music and ambience. The enemies are a little bit kind of... They're not Hellspawn, they're suddenly a little bit more esoteric. And, you know, they yeah. decide to... And, you know, and they take influence from, like, H.P. Lovecraft's writing, as well as D&D stuff, which is something that they've always liked. And then... <laughs> As we sort of talk about a little bit in the Hexen 2 episode, uh, John Romero leaves it um, in around 96, 97 to go form Ion Storm. And during this time is when they're working on this... Well, they're working on a game internally at id, which goes through a couple of different names. One's called Strog, one's called Loaded, where essentially the idea is, is that it is a science fiction set, like, shooter. It's like doom right. but it's not like against the forces of hell it's against a alien um it's an alien invader essentially although it's more the humans and this alien are fighting kind of on equal ground you know it's not they're both kind of invaders in this respect but right um they're trying to figure this game out and they're not quite sure how to market it and then the moment that romero leaves they go well 
he was the only one who was going to bat for the Cthulhu stuff, so why don't we just make this game Quake 2? And so Quake 2 comes out, and it's the story of the humans versus the Strog. You know, you're a little you're a little marine in space. You have all a lot of the weapons that you had in Quake 1, but they've been, you know, the models have been adapted so they look a little bit more sci-fi. The environments are still kind of a lot of vertical spirals and button pushing, but they also introduced like a little objective system to it, kind of inspired by GoldenEye 007. So a level you're not just doing, you know, shoot all the bad guys and get to the end. You may also have to do, say, you know, solve a little puzzle or, you know, blow up something. You know, you might have to do a couple of things before you can actually leave. And then they get to Quake 3, and at this point they've decided that they can't quite figure out what they want to do with the single player, but Quake multiplayer just gets bigger and bigger every year. And so they go, well, why don't we just make a game which is purely multiplayer? And in this respect, they can focus on... Um, so one of the big uh, mods for Quake 1, for the multiplayer with that, is something called the Reaper Bot, which essentially lets people mm. play multiplayer offline against a computer-controlled enemy. And they go, well, why don't we put some invest some time into that to really flesh that out and... So rather than having a, we don't really need to have a single player campaign. We could make the campaign single player, multiplayer matches against these sophisticated bots. And that's kind of what they did. Right. But what, right. obviously, the life of that game is multiplayer. On Again, it's one of the first games to properly, like, well, LAN has been a thing for a while, but this one manages to support, like, early pre-broadband internet and becomes really big through that. You know, you have stories of people, you know, installing Quake Free on their university computers or in like computer labs and doing like LAN parties and stuff. Much like, like much like Doom, the yeah. the original Doom. Yeah, exactly right. And so like Quake Free just becomes this huge little thing. But then that's sort of it for Quake for a while. And I guess with like after Quake Free Arena, what do you really do? Because you could just keep supporting that, adding new characters, and again. It right. kind of fixes the updating it. Yeah, it kind of fixes the schism between one and two because one's about this and two's about this. But then, a bit like Super Smash Brothers, the characters of both games can go into Quake Arena, and it kind of gets back to what one was about, which was portals to different dimensions. But the different dimensions are arenas that you can fight in, which is cool. And you can bring all the weapons right. back. You can add new stuff. Great idea for a little game. Then, what kind of happens after that is that. Return to Castle Wolfenstein comes out, does well for Activision, and they decide to follow that up with a multiplayer component that then gets overdeveloped to the point that it becomps a separate game, which is done by Splash Damage, which is called uh, Wolfenstein Enemy Territories. And just a little bit before, or kind of around the time of Battlefield, this is doing like class-based multiplayer, and like, you know, it's kind of splitting the difference between tight arena style maps and some a little bit more sprawling and evolving and people really get into it to the extent that they commission a sequel to it called quake enemy territories where essentially they pick up where the plot of two left up because that's the one where you can sort of dig into it and go well this one's like an actual war so why don't we right. like you know make a game around that and so they return to the human strong conflict but they do it within the template of um, enemy territories and that does massively well for Activision and I think off the back of that they decide why don't we do another Quake game 
And at this point... What could go wrong? Yeah, what what could go wrong with doing another Quake game? And so, at this point, I believe it is shipped. Um, okay, and here's another thing with this game as well. So, around 2004-2005 is when it ships uh, Doom 3. Again, Romero is no longer at it at this point. Pretty much the only person from the original Core 4 is Carmack. And as a result, Carmack is the lead visionary of that game, and his lead vision is, well, in Doom 1, I like the fact that certain sectors of the map were completely pitch black, and then some bits were lit, and that it bled into one another. So why don't I build an engine which is all about shadows and lighting? He goes out at Macworld, the year that they show off like the original prototype of Doom 3, and he has this spiel about the fact that in first-person shooters previously, lighting and shading and stuff like that, it was all a bunch of tricks. Essentially, the way that they had done Doom was through ray casting, which essentially is just, it draws horizontal lines, but it is not true 3D. It is an illusion. This is going to be all completely solid. Lighting and shadows are going to be systemic. They're going to talk to one another, and they're going to be able to build a game which is, like, realistic in regards to how does light work in our world? Not so much realistic in visuals, but that's his right. vision for it. And for doing so, and as we kind of alluded to talking about the Doom film, they're also really into, well, what are other FPS games doing at the time? Because they were in a weird position with their... Well, they were in the weirdest position with Wolfenstein 3D because they invented the FPS. They, didn't, sure. they couldn't compete with anything apart from them. So when it came to Doom... They're competing with themselves, and they're able to make right. a game which is, has verticality, it's faster, and all that sort of stuff. But you get to Doom 3, and at this point you have Half-Life, you have Halo, you have all these... Well, you have Unreal as well, which I think is his biggest competitor in regards to we want to do what they're doing, but better. And as a result, Doom 3 doesn't really have its own idea it doesn't have its own unique identity. It's mostly taking stuff from other developers. And right. I've warmed to Doom 3. I mean, did you get Doom 3 on release? Did I get it on release? Um, that's a good question. I might have. I feel like I might have gotten it on release. Yeah, because I remember Doom 3 being a big deal at the like this was It was a big deal when it was like, oh my god, they're doing Doom 3. Like Oh yeah. Like Quake is one thing, but Doom is, there's something about Doom that's always going to be like, if there's a new Doom coming out, it's it's going to be a big deal. Yeah, and I think at this point, because they had already returned to Wolfenstein with Return to Castle Wolfenstein, I think that champagne bottle had already been popped. And so with this, yeah, I think it's as you said, Doom is such a, like, a industry shifting name. It's like if they hadn't made a Super Mario game in 10 years and they said, we're bringing it back. And so, yeah. like, as a result, yeah, people were like hyped for that. And you saw those initial screenshots <laughs> where, you know, yeah. the models of the enemies look really good and the lighting's super, like, intense. But then the game comes out and the tone of it is not really what people are expecting because it is yeah it is more of a straight-up horror game yeah um rather than rather than a fast-paced action shooter with horror and like a horror theming and aesthetic 
versus uh, uh, Doom 3 is like just literal straight up horror. Yeah. <laughs> like to the extent that like in the original Doom, you didn't have like any means to light levels apart from you could get like night vision goggles or whatever. But in Doom 3, you had a choice between you could either see the way ahead or you could shoot. And anytime you shot, it did like illuminate the level a little bit, but in the way that like, you know, like a bit in Aliens where like they're in a dark room and you only see like the highlights the flashes. Of, of the xenomorphs yeah. from them shooting. Like, again, it's as you said, they're aiming for pure terror, but tone, I mean, Bobby Prince isn't bad for the soundtrack. It's more kind of tonally in line with something like Doom 64, which is, yeah, a lot darker and a lot mo- a little bit more like Quake One as well in that respect. So, right. Although it's a good game, is it a good Doom? I mean, that's questionable as well. Because yeah, it it really and even even now with with Doom twenty sixteen where the series has gone since then, yeah. it really stands out as an outlier. Yeah. Um, where you have the rest of the Doom series, and then yeah, I would say you have Doom one and Doom two. You have the current series, and then if you were drawing like a chart, it would be like you would put like doom 64 in between the main games and doom three. And then doom three is like the, the extreme outlier. That, that's the end of the, like that's the evolutionary dead end. Cause even with, yeah. they do resurrection of evil and um, BFG edition afterwards. And they try and like massage it back in the direction of what people like. Action it up a little bit. Including the fact that, yeah, they make the character faster and they they put a light on every weapon. So it's just kind right. of like... And again, like because they do that, that sort of breaks the tone that they were going for in Doom 3, which again, it was different, but it was consistent. And so you kind of yep. end up with this awkward middle shower. And I think that's very relevant in regards to Quake 4, which... Has this been the case with Heretic and Hexen, where and Hexen Two, where it used to be that it would make a an engine game? They would show off all the bells and whistles that they could do, but they would be very Spartan and very quick and action packed. It would then be handed over to Raven, and they would do the big, like ambitious, showy projects. They would do the dark fantasy games where you could fly and have like different spells and kind of in semi elements. And right. Quick Four almost could be considered a slightly more ambitious Doom 3. Almost. Yeah. Sometimes. In in little like it, it, it would be like if you put like a like a meal into the oven and it was burnt and then you try and like surgically cut around right. all the bits that were edible. <laughs> is how I would describe the ambitions yeah. of Quake 4. Quake 4 in general, I would say Yeah. Considering its pedigree and the final game that came out of it, it is... It's not great, James. It's a bump in the road. <laughs> it, it's, not, it's not great. It's not great, Kevin. Uh, let's, uh, let's go through what's not great about yeah. Quake 4. Well, first things first, folks. Quake 4 is still available to buy and play. There was a, You can go ahead and buy it. Yeah. You, you can go ahead and buy it if you want. I would suggest, if you can, to play the Xbox 360 version on that console, which was the target platform for this game, which, again, not saying the console versions are lesser, but it is a little bit of an alarm bell when they go, oh, we're making this game as a 360 launch title, which I guess kind of fits weirdly into 
Microsoft's whole kind of early Xbox thing of, hey, it's a PC in your living room. You can play the new Deus Ex on it and the new Thief game and all this stuff. And so, but then Deus Ex Invisible War comes out and because it only has 64 meg of RAM to play with, it's not like anywhere near as ambitious as the original Deus Ex. Right. And Quake 4 kind of feels a bit like that as well, where it's hamstrung by being a launch title game for the 360 that can only do... For the 360. Can- it, 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 it only... Yeah. Uh, so, just like starting off with yes. it, right? All right. So, Quake 4, it's a direct sequel to Quake 2. It's a, so, yeah. you're playing as... as Kane. Uh, Commander Captain Kane. Kane. Captain... Cap- Captain's... Corp... Corp- Whatever yeah. he's got a mashed potato head, um, <laughs> yes. and I'm not I'm not saying that just I mean his head is in the shape of a mashed potato um, on top of on top of his body, uh, so you're playing as that guy, um, and I played it on my computer. It is a not a good PC port. No, so this game is available on Steam on GOG, and very recently is being made available on Game Pass. All of them look like dog shit. Yeah, and here's the wild thing: is that um, uh, Star Trek uh, Elite Forces, which we talked about last week, mm. uh, looks brilliant compared to to Quake Four. Quake Four, you can on the PC, you can crank up that resolution if you want it. You know, you can you can you can you can put it up to 2K or whatever, um, and it'll do it. The textures are horrendous. Just god awful. Even at lower resolutions, they're just terrible. They they are blurry and pixelated. It looks like they were made for uh, a, a three twenty by two forty screen somehow. <laughs> so the thing is with this, and I had a bit of fun because I've been posting pictures of me going through the game on Twitter, and a Quake fan actually replied to me and said. No, this isn't right. You need to be using the patches. And this game, you can go through and you can patch it. But compared to all these older Raven games, it is a pain in the ass to do so. And I guess being a bit of a cheeky arsehole, I said, yes, I could do that. But I would rather play this game as I can. Cur- I want to I play this game as it is currently available to me. Right. Which... Unfortunately, compared to the BFG edition of Doom 3, yes, you are playing in essentially boxes of mud until you go into until you go inside. So here's the thing. Whenever you're inside a complex in Doom 3, uh, sorry, in Quake 4, and you have like, <laughs> oh, no, I know, I'm going to do this throughout. Um, whenever you're inside buildings in Quake 4 and you have nice brushed metal and normal maps and stuff like that and you know really dark areas kind of lit with slits of light looks really good it it is solid but again Raven being as ambitious as they are go oh we should have bits where you go outside onto the surface of this planet that you're on and you should get to do vehicle sections and stuff because Halo is really popular at the moment and you are you are driving through melting chocolate the environments look like mud pies is the only way i can describe it there is no detail to anything apart from the sky boxes which are the flattest of jpegs (laughs) 
there is no a nice there is no a nice flat JPEG. There is up no there. depth to anything. My favorite part is when you go into Mod Pie Village and they go, "Oh, the spaceship's landing," and they the spaceship is to scale, but the textures aren't, and so you just see this big gray shoe drop in front of you, and then you walk up to it, and there's no texture popping. The texture stays exactly the same, so it just gets blurrier and blurrier the closer you get to it. Yes. And it's like, oh, no. I think if you um, probably can, if you can try and make the game look a little bit better, I would suggest maybe doing Yeah, so. if you're really intent on enjoying it, then go through the steps to make it look better. But this, uh, I, I played a pretty much, I guess, out-of-the-box experience mm-hmm. um, at, on Steam, and it was uh, it was a little bit rough going. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. You played it on um, Steam Deck, didn't you? I played it out. Yeah, I, I fired it up on my Steam Deck oh, because I I wanted to. You know, I didn't I didn't want to have to really uh, bind myself to the to the, my computer in order to to play this game. I wanted to sit in the living room yeah, with you my wanna, family. You want to chill with it? I will say I did. Yeah, I just want to I want to chill. I wa- I did look up footage of the game after the fact to see like okay what is it meant to look like and it looks about as good as Doom 3 did on release it doesn't look as good as BFG edition okay. it looks as it looks like a 360 launch game where you go okay fair enough but that's you know that's what games kind of look like at the time another thing is yeah. as well is that the reviews of this game were like super positive on the graphics and one of the things which like one of the uh, IGN said about the title at the time was that, well, if you're a console player, you haven't played an FPS game as good as this, you should count yourself lucky, essentially. This came out the same year as Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie, which, as well as having a really funny name because it's so long, that game runs circles (laughs) around how Quake (laughs) 4 looks. I mean, it's it. I mean, that's it, that's a stretch to say you, as a console player, you haven't been able to play anything as good as this because it comes out. I mean, Halo Two came out the year before, which Halo Two came out the year before. I mean, it depending on your opinion of of Halo Two itself. I mean, uh, I know I think some people say Halo Two is a little bit of a step backwards compared to the the first one. Sure, um, but still, it's it's nothing. It's like Halo and the first two Halo games are easily, easily better than Quake Four. Just from a, and we're just talking about right now. We're just talking about how the game looks, and this is just how you how it, the game also feels terrible to play. It is awful. Don't get me wrong; it is not fun to play. Uh, your character, um, uh, John Potato, uh, Melting Potato Man, what, came. What was it that you described him as? He looked like the guy from um, the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, he's yeah, he's Bill Cor- Billy Corgan. He's he's from, he's, from J- Smash- he's he's JPEG Billy Corgan. He's JPEG Billy Corgan, and um, you know this is this is right around the time um, Zwan. They were doing the Zwan, uh, and I think yeah. Zwan was yeah, and he needed he needed that extra income because I'm not sure the Zwan albums uh, sold particularly well, so he licensed himself out to be the main character of, uh, <laughs> of Quake Four. <laughs> of, of Quake Four, so I th- <laughs> he needed to make he needed he, need, he needed dinner he needed a, he needed a he needed a quick buck so yeah. um 
So yeah, the the your character, uh, Billy Corgan, um, he he. Wa- so you have two modes of moving around, and that's walking and walking slower. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> oh, God, um, yeah. And uh, you know the guns are a little bland. They feel um, soft. I feel like if I played this on the three sixty with proper force feedback, maybe they might feel a little bit better. But on maybe mouse and keyboard, it's. The feedback is, it's compared to what they did with Soldier of Fortune, which feels really good. Right, the weapons here, they're, I mean, technically they're like second or third place in regards to how good Raven weapon. Uh, fourth place, I would say, <laughs> behind Wolfenstein and uh, Singularity. But yeah, they're not good, folks. They're, they're, they're not they're good. Bad. They, they, and you get and you get the usual ones. You get like a, you start with a pistol, then you get a shotgun, then a machine gun. And you get a nail Speaking gun. Speaking of which, this does the Doom Free thing of you are in dark environments and you have a torch, but you can use a torch with a pistol and with a machine gun. Nothing you can't else. Can't use the torch with anything else for some weird reason. That's that was a design decision they made. But. So you have to basically just in in all these dark areas the only thing you're allowed to use is the pistol which mm. is you have infinite ammo for your pistol by the way yeah because it's nearly worthless and a machine gun <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you get all these pretty early on because again it does the old um half-life thing of every gun that you pick up with somebody else's gun right so this like Again, kind of following on from Doom 3, which felt like a game inspired... Like, it didn't have its own kind of inspiring ideas. It just took inspiration from other stuff. Quake 4, pretty much the same. It has cinematic cutscenes. It has squad-based gameplay, which was, like, popular after Rainbow Six. Every kind of game tried to do it. And scripted in-game events. Oh, the floor is falling through. Whoops. Duh. And vehicle sections, which... The vehicle sections in this game are fucking bad. So bad. There is one point at which I spent a half hour just trying to... There's a point at which you have to clear out these turrets. Mm -hmm. And it took me like a half hour to do it because you're you're manning a machine gun on the back of a truck and it never stayed still long enough for you to kill the things that were actually killing you, which were these stupid missile turrets that are way out of the way. Yeah. It's like, Oh God, the, it, it, it was, it was beyond frustrating. And that's just one of the, of the, the vehicle, vehicle sections. sections. Yeah. They're all terrible, uh-huh. including, including a section in which you're in a, in a, in a mech mm-hmm. and it feels it, it it's a mech that feels so bad to walk in like like your 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 steps are are weird and you're like i want to go this way and you just have to imagine that the mech's legs are like turning underneath you uh-huh. as you're going that way um they give you machine guns and rockets and they both feel utterly useless against the enemies that you go against those yeah flying enemies where the energy shields in those vehicle sections they suck to the extent yeah, that yeah. in the first hover tank section that you do, I just gunned past everything. It was no... Yeah, was you, no, ju- you just try to skip the level. Of there's possible. no fun. In, there's no point engaging in stuff. You just race There is no fun to be had here. Not at all, no. And <laughs> Speaking of rockets, uh-huh. um, 
this is a this is a mortal sin as far as I'm concerned for both for for rockets in, in a quake game is uh the rocket does more damage to you yep. on the uh, more splash damage to you splashing back on you than it does to the enemy um which for a game that has that one of the more famous things you can do is is the rocket jump um to to have to worry about like oh this guy's in the other room it's fine i'll shoot a rocket at him like oh no that hit me for like 30 points how did <laughs> how did that happen God, <laughs> this is a bad game is what well, I'm, I'm just gonna kind of i just want to put it up that this is not a very good game but i will say weirdly enough though well folks kevin let's let's go a little bit behind the scenes a little bit with how we've been doing sure. these episodes of bullet time so essentially as you can probably figure out we've been recording these a little bit out of order some episodes i sound like i'm down the well with timmy turner some i sound smooth as butter maybe when you watch the video versions of these some you can see my my grandmother's sofa behind me and then some i look like i'm inside a, a foam box so as much as we've tried to we've try to go chronologically with these games and like you know see how they've developed but a lot of the time you know especially with the guests that we get we may have to like skip ahead and go back and but right before we did the podcast we played all the we gave all the games kind of their fair shot and we're like okay we just want to get a brief overview of these before we go into anything else because again it helps provide the tapestry of you know well, you know, this is an interesting game and you see how this develops in the next one kind of thing. And when we recorded the last episode, we had done an initial power rankings of these games. And between the both of us, we had put Quake 4 dead last because on first impressions, this game is awful. Like, they say don't judge a book by its cover. Speaking of which, the cover to this game, what the... I... So, the original Quake cover, I think, is cool, but in a way that it's like... You know how they advertise the Jack Nicholson, um, Tim Burton Batman film, where it's literally just the symbol? Like, they don't right. say who's in the film, they don't, like, show action scenes, it's literally, they just show you the Batman symbol, and, and it's like, be ready, this is coming. Right, right. Doom comes out, and it's like this piece of like frank rosetta style artwork where it's like a guy fighting back the demons of hell with quake they know that like id software is like the biggest name in games at the moment so all they have to do they just show you the quake logo massive they don't need to say anything else it's just the quake and then for the next two games that they do both quake 2 and quake 3 arena same thing where they add like extra nails to the bottom of it it's like yeah i know what this is this is dope and then they get to Quake 4, and at which point the, there hadn't been a new Quake game in about six or seven years, and their post in this is basically being like, hey, if you're buying an Xbox 360, get this Quake game. And it's like, okay. Uh, but you look at the boxer, and it's literally just the original Quake logo against a green cyber background with a bunch of just random lines and stuff yeah. on it. It's not the most, uh, not the most inspiring thing. Yeah, that's the thing is like the the original Quake logo is is very neat for it's like it's very stark. You yes, know, it's I like can't... this rust rust red 
against a against a dark uh, gray uh, background. Mm. And this is like this is like peak two thousand five. Yeah. Like this you is know. like we don't really know what to do. Like the Quake logo itself is instantly iconic, but we feel like we need to over egg it, and it just looks. Which is really sums up that, that the, era. It does sum up the game pretty well, I think. Um, but just to kind of go back to how we did the podcast. So, like, in most cases, we tried to beat the games that we were talking about. So, like, Singularity, Wolfenstein 09, um, the Jedi games. We were, Like, most of those we were able to beat fully. Heretic, I just beat the first episode of it because I thought I kind of feel like I know what the yeah. rest of this is going to be like. Hexen and Hexen 2, exactly the same thing. I kind of knew what these were going to be like. But Quake 4 initially, I only did the first few levels, and I was like, this sucks. Can't do it. I feel, I feel like it. I know what this is going to be. Leave it there. But then I decided to do a bit of research and go, okay, what were other people saying about Quake at the time? And on PC Gamer, the website, um, one of their journals had written this really interesting article where the headline was... Quake 4 is better than you remember. And it's like, okay, the old video essay thing of, no, this, the thing you thought was bad was good, and here's why. And it's like, okay, all right, I'll buy it. Okay, Let's see fine. what this is. Sure. Yeah. Um, has a really funny... Um, so Rick Lake is the guy who wrote it, and it has, like, the funniest opening to the article, which is, Quake 4 is mainly remembered for two things, the scene in which your character gets turned into a strog, and being the worst Quake game. And it's like... Start off strong there by saying that this game, which you think yep. was better than you remember, is still a bad game. And it's like it's still the worst Quake game. It is still, and I will say, despite the fact that oh well, yeah, so I played Quake One and I played Quake Two before this as well, just to be like, what are we kind of comparing this to? I had a better time with both those games. Didn't beat either of them, but you know, still yeah. pretty solid oh, stuff. No, you're gonna you're gonna have a good time if you go back and play Quake. And in fact, Quake had a um, uh, somewhat of a remaster. I mean, it's yeah. I think the it's, um, the Night Dive one. Pretty much, yeah. It's pretty much intact. Like it, there isn't anything crazy different about it, other than it's like full 4K now yeah. and nice and nice and clean looking on for modern computers. It supports ultra wide. You can play with a controller. It's just super nice out of the box. Not only that, but you can play Quake Two if you have a uh, card that supports ray tracing. You can play that with full ray tracing on, and it looks super. It looks neat. It looks like um like almost like you're playing like a diorama because all the models mm -hmm. and like environments are still very boxy, but the lighting is yeah. super nice. And that's and that's actually and it, and it reminds me, I, I believe New Blood, um, one of their boomer shooter games that doesn't quite get as much coverage as the other ones called a medieval. Mm. Um, it also is is very quake like in its appearance. If Dusk is basically, I mean, Dusk is also a quake, uh, yeah. a quake-like game, but uh, a medieval um, also is, is very quake and supports ray tracing as well. So nice. I think it's kind of neat that that they they did that with with Quake Two. Yeah, but I saw the article and it was kind of like it kind of, and then it said this really interesting thing, which I'm not going to spoil just yet. But I was like, huh. I should go back and give this another go. So the first thing I did was that I got Joy to Key working so I could properly play it with a controller, and that helped a lot. And I think also mm. knowing how bad the initial sections were going to be, I was kind of prepared. 
a little bit more and that kind of propelled me through it. Right. And I've already kind of mentioned it here, but the strugglification scene, which is even if you've only like, if you've heard of Quake 4 but you haven't played it, the thing that you probably know it for is that it has a scene in the game where completely from a first person perspective, you see your character Kane go through the, the strugglification process. And it is like, it's classic Raven Suffer in regards to Oh, well, we had a ton of fun doing gore in uh, Soldier of Fortune. Why don't we have that from the player's perspective? Like, the nicest looking gore that we can do on the Xbox 360. And right. you did get you, you got to that section, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I got through that section, yeah. It's, it's a cool, it, it is a cool little scene. It's a cool like, moment, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, like, I think when you know it's coming, it does take a little bit of the, like, fun out of it like i think if you experience that fresh it would be like a little bit neater but i think it's one of those things where (sighs) this game's a little bit like spec ops the line where in order to recommend it to people you kind of have to spoil it a little bit because with spec ops the line like the whole reason that that game works as it does is that it presents itself as a generic military third person shooter but then towards right. the end, that's the trick is that like we're actually telling a bit of a bigger story here about how video games kind of nullify the actual effects of war. And as you get near, you know, you get further and further into the game, it gets more gratuitous and it goes more off the rails. And the moral of the story is essentially, well, you you could have left at any time, but you wanted to see how far the rabbit hole goes. And it's like, okay, right. that's pretty bold. You know, that, that works. Yeah. And shockingly, Quake 4 kind of does something similar, where initially it is the worst game that I've ever that I have played for this mini series. But sure. then the moment you turn into a strog, comes pretty okay. It becomes uh, it, it becomes pretty, pretty it, becomes, it becomes okay. fun for a bit. Yeah. So like yeah, and it, it's simply because it makes you move faster. So you move at double the speed now. You move as fast as you do in Quake Two, which again, fucking bold that at the beginning of the game they make you go at that walking pace all the way along to basically be like hell and heaven. Okay, you've put up with that. Now get to enjoy Quake movement speed for the rest of the game. Um, the guns feel better somehow i don't know how they manage it maybe it might just be the speed the fact that you can actually circle strafe enemies now feels really good and they even come to the effort of like changing the ui so it's like way more obvious and readable it is mad and i would say as well the levels that i've liked the most in the game and the weapons that i've liked the most are the ones that you get after becoming a strog they give you a nail gun when you're a human and it sucks and then terrible. You, and then he meets a guy later on when you're struck and he goes, Oh, hold on. Let me give you the upgrade that makes the nail gun good. And it's like <laughs> what, what the hell? Like this is again like Yeah, they withheld so much in the first few hours of the game until after the Strog sequence. And um it's a bold move. Um it's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. And how it plays out is uh Ultimately, it's still still a terrible game. Yeah, you still you 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 stopped after even after the strugglification stuff because yeah, the vehicle sections don't get any better. They still yeah, they still cram a couple vehicle sections in there. They still suck. It's like 
it's they're terrible and like i probably got i i pretty much got to right towards the end of the game but i gave up when it basically became and again it's weird to talk about this game in regards to this was or this was like an engine sequel to doom 3 in regards to okay so doom 3 comes out and we can do all this stuff let's see what raven software does with it and their idea is essentially well we're going to do a half and half game the first half is going to be like Again, it's kind of cynical because it almost feels like they're saying, oh, this is going to appeal to the Call of Duty fans, the shit, slow movement and stuff. And then we're going to give them the real game and show them how good they could have it. And so you almost have like a kind of Quake 2 within the Doom 3 engine. And in that respect, it's neat. You know, the enemies still look look like they're made out of plasticine. The environments still look like shit, but because you're moving so fast and you're having so much fun, you kind of forget about it. But right, this comes out the year before Prey, two thousand and six. Yeah, which I was, is I was about to say it's it's it, it, I was looking at the the id tech four, and mm-hmm. you get you get Doom three, two thousand four, Quake four two thousand five, and then the next year you get Prey, right. which is so weird because well. To put it in context, if you hadn't listened to the previous episodes, Prey is made by Human Head, and Human Head are formed from ex-members of Raven Software. Chris Reinhardt, who is the lead programmer on Heretic Hexen, and does a tiny bit on Hexen too, but the initial plan was that he was going to work on Hecatomb with John Romero. Right. He goes off and he forms his own company. He takes a couple of the other programmers with him, uh, Ben Goki being one of those guys, and they do Rune, but the big get that they get is essentially they sign up with 3d realms who basically since the end of duke nukem 3d has been trying to crack this knot of prey which is well we want an fps game but its unique selling point is that it's going to have these portals in it where the idea is is that you can seamlessly move from one level to another you know and you can kind of see what the next level looks like in between it again predates what portal eventually i mean portal is kind of the more expanded version of what they do in Prey because you can actually set where the portals are. But, um... Yeah, yeah, Prey 2006 comes out and it is... So, Quake 4 is the story of humans fighting against aliens who are essentially made out of human pieces and cybernetics and you go to their home world, which is this kind of monstrosity of metal and flesh and you have to destroy it. Prey 2006, you play as a uh, guy with Native American ancestry who is abducted from the bar that he works at and is sent to a spaceship which is full of aliens who are made out of human and cybernetic parts and their ship is also made out of cybernetics and flesh. And the whole point (laughs) is to blow it up and you go, huh, interesting, interesting. They both kind of came to the same ideas and... You have the enemies in Quake, uh, Quake 4, who are obviously the Strog, who are, you have your big guys, right. your small guys. You have guys with no legs who float around. You have, like... You got guys with no legs. You got, you you got robots. Bus guys. You got guys with shields. You get, you, have, you get witches at some point who, who like, warp in and out. Again, they feel like... Which it, is pretty much the, the... This is... That is... Part of the Raven bingo card here is random... <laughs> random hot ladies showing up you know oh yeah yeah which is yeah weird yeah um the next the next thing we'll talk about uh wolfenstein 09 also has 
if you've yeah. played the other Wolfenstein games, they shouldn't be that surprising. But the fact that they're introduced with no fanfare in Wolfenstein no 09 is bizarre. But um, Prey has exactly the same kind of enemies as well. And it's like, okay, well, these two are quite comparable then. But Prey, and I guess because it had it was longer in the oven, both development kind of concept-wise and finally production-wise, is a so much better game than Quake 4. Yeah. It yeah. is... They, they lean into the imagination. Again, Raven Software, their whole thing was, we don't just have to have games with shotguns and pistols. We can have, like, weird magic guns and alien guns and stuff like that. And you're like, great. You don't get that in Quake 4 because they have to... They have to bring back all the hits. They have to bring back the rail gun, which feels like shit in Quake 4. They bring back the rocket launcher, which feels like shit in Quake 4. The grenade launcher, which, well, Kevin's already talked about it, it does more damage to you than it does to enemies. It sucks. <laughs> and then in pre-2006, you have, like, these weird, like, weapons which are literal, like, aliens who, like, fart bombs and stuff. And it's like, this is so... Imagine it's yeah. like prey. Prey is very imaginative and very um, well thought out. Whereas yeah. Quake Four is just not. No, and I would. I did my best <laughs> to kind of like look behind the scenes and sort of figure out. Well, was this like up against the clock? Did they have to like put this out before, like for the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty launch? Right. It's likely that could have been the case that they crunched it to get it out, and it just. It wasn't as good as it could have been. It just never got the love it needed. No, and like it didn't sell well enough to get a remaster, like where they could have polished. Right. You know, at least with Doom Three, didn't do like Doom Three was a like critically it was kind of all over the place, but it was a fucking it was a sales mega hit. So like right. they could have again, I guess the expansion pack with Resurrection of Evil, where they can polish up more of it. But then after the fact as well, there's enough interest around it where eventually Carmack can just do the BFG edition and polish more of it up again initially that started off as a vr demo just because he was playing around with the oculus kits and stuff but yeah quake 4 didn't get that because that the fact that they go like you have to put up with the worst fps game you may ever play to get a a, a relatively okay <laughs> fps game and again i think it's maybe the effects of if you started as a strug or you started with that movement and feeling, maybe the game would just be kind of, okay. it would be like a 5 out of 10. But because it's yeah. paired up with that 3 out of 10 at the beginning, it feels like an 8 out of 10. Like it is just, right. it's just contrast. You know, it's it's putting... It's just the contrast makes it feel so good rather than realizing. And I think that's the thing is like the level design doesn't really get any better. And, God, no, 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 no. That's no. another thing is like the levels aren't, the levels aren't particularly clever or fun or whatever. There's there's not a ton interesting going on. The thing that's annoying about it, and again, like again, struggification happens, and so like if if like my enjoyment of it is a bar graph, starts in the middle, dips big time until the struggification scene ha well, a little bit before the struggification scene, because all the stuff that you when um Fucking Strauss of who is um yeah, oh, oh Peter Stormer does yeah, when, do when, uh does actually save the game a little bit as what, just this random character. <laughs> yeah, as a really annoyed um 
technician. <laughs> when Pierce yeah. Stormaris is a joy. When he turned up in Until Dawn, that game went from a 10 to an 11 <laughs> for me. I was like, oh. I just love seeing you and stuff, Pete. And um, yeah, in this, he does a lot of lifting in regards to, oh, it's Peter Stormare, what a joy. And like him being a crank on the radio and it's like, oh, this is great. And then you fight the Strog Macron for the first time and it's meant to be like the boss fight in Super Metroid where you're not meant to win against it. Not that it fucking worked for me because it killed me about five times and I had to reload it up until the point where I get caught in the traptor beam and that's how you're actually meant to die. Yeah, it's, it, it's, like, really, it's really annoying because it's, it's, so it's a tough fight. It's a tough fight and you're supposed to you're supposed to lose, but you're not supposed to lose too early. Immediately. No, it's so bad. And then struggification happens, the game goes up, then you have a vehicle section that goes down and then... Towards the end of the game, they do whatever they can to bulk it out. And the way that they do that is by being as convoluted as possible. It came to a head for me where... So to take out the Strog home world, their home, their, like, their super tower, you have to go through... You have to do three towers. You have to turn on their laser beams to blow it up. And I expected you do the first one and then they streamline the next two because basically what can they do other than you're just walking up a tower again? I've already done this. We need to keep things varied up. No, 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 no. You you will climb each tower exactly the same as the other one. You go through all the steps, all the rooms. And before you even do that, you have to take a train to get to the first tower. But it's not easy. But it's not just enough to just get to the train to the tram station, which would be another challenge in itself because of all the enemies in the way. No, no, no. First things first. The tram is broken, so you have to go and find repair. Yeah, fix that so tram, fi- baby. So you have to go fix that tram, and you have to go through rooms of enemies in order to get to the tram repair box. And then you come back. The tram isn't electrified. So now you have to go through it again. And you have to electrify find the that tram, baby. You, you have to find the power for the tram. And then you get back. And the tram needs to be rotated for the road. rotate that tram, baby. You gotta rotate that tram, baby. And you have to go to a specific room to do it. And this room... Oh, no, it's not like a room that you just go to easily. No, no, no. It's multiple rooms and multiple enemy waves away. And at this point, they have ran... So... Have I said you this funny story, which is just like, um, oh no, I mentioned it on the Black episode because I was saying about how that game has perfect pacing in regards to, it's exactly the same as Portal and Doom 2016, where the moment I said, I'm getting sick of this, ended immediately Changes there. Changes it up. Oh, well, uh, no, yeah. it didn't even immediately, it didn't even change it up. It just ended, right? So Portal, <laughs> Portal was a perfect example of that because you do the, um, it's almost like a drainage system and it's full of the white little robots and it's like, oh, right, this right, sucks. Right. And then immediately afterwards, the GLaDOS fight. And it's like, okay, perfect end to the game. Tip top. End Boom. Of, uh, 20, Doom 2016, you're thrown into an arena where you have like two of the big guys and multiple limbs and stuff. It's like, I've, I'm not seeing new enemies here. We're just doing the same dance. I've done this. Next room, Spider Mastermind. Spider Boss. Yeah. <laughs> Tip top tits. This <laughs> oh, and, and black is the same as well. Where it ends with you go into a big arena room and you have to fight a bunch of dudes and then blow up two concrete things and then end of the game. That's it. This they run out of enemies about 
like two hours before the end of the game. And so all they can do is just change the composition and change, well, we're going to have a lot of the big guys here and then we're going to have a lot of the big guys. Like, there's no more variety to it. You're just going through the motions at this point. And so the fact that, not only that, but they're bulking out what should be the simplest thing of, I want to take a train over to somewhere, but they go, no, no, no. There's three things you need to do to fix the tram, and they're all completely as far away from each other as possible. I was like, fuck you. Like, the, the, it is... <laughs> it, 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 it's so... like it, it. If we had, like, a bingo card or something for, like, bad game design, that's how you do it, is turning what should be a simple objective into three very annoying Into three tiny, annoying objectives. And I don't mind in regards to... If it is just three unique things, because, again... Heretic and Hexen, I like it in regards to they take the Doom keys, but they change them into fantasy stuff. So you have to get the scroll of whatever, or the potion to make the guy wake up. Whatever, that's fine, that's cute. They don't dress yeah. up anything here. It is purely... It is busy work, and it isn't dressed Go up Go down this else. hallway, throw this switch. Come all yeah. the way back. Go down this hallway, throw this switch. <laughs> so bad. And so... I didn't beat the game, but it doesn't matter. I, I've seen, I, yeah, I've cares? seen, I've seen the final boss. I've seen we've, the credits. We've seen it's enough. Like, yeah, I, I know what. I, I was not gonna. The end of the game wasn't going to redeem the last few hours of that game for me. I, I had had my fill, and it's a shame because again, the fact that it did have that twist where they gave me extra speed and all this extra bonus stuff, I thought was cute. It made me think of. Um, did you ever play Max Payne Three? I'm pretty sure I played Max Payne three. I, I, I mean, yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah. Okay, but you know that obviously the plot of the game is that like he goes to San Paolo and he's become just like a complete alcoholic at this point. Like he's barely functioning. But then he decides because like his like con the people that he's working for like some of them get kidnapped and he goes okay I got to clean up now time to shave my head and kick the booze and all that stuff. It'd be amazing if, like, the beginning of the game was, like, Max Payne free, like, what you're used to. But the moment that he kicks the booze, it just turns into Vanquish. Like, he's like, oh, my God, <laughs> I'm, I've got so much clarity now. Oh, I can just, like, you know, it just turns, it just turns into um, what we were describing with uh, Soldier of Fortune, where they have, like, auto, like, ma like he can just, like, yeah. blow people's heads off so much easily. Exactly. Like, Again, like, I, I was trying to think of like any other games that do the trick of you think it's well, I guess technically you it's, think like it's a, one thing and it's another. Yeah, it's like a, it's like Dust Till Dawn, in it where initially you think it's a Tarantino yeah. crime film, but then it turns into a uh, into a, a vampire movie. Yeah, um, I was going to say who's the effect? Uh, Tom Savini. It turns into a Tom Savini, you know, yeah. horror movie, which that's why he's in the film. So right. Exactly, uh, but I was—I was just trying to think of like any other games that pull that trick and do it particularly well. And I guess the only one that I could think of was like um, Spec Ops: The Line, but that's like a slow burn. Like that happens. Yeah, that's more of a slow burn. I can't think of any that really necessarily. I mean, the changing from I would say Jedi Outcast. Um, oh, when you finally become a Je yeah, that when you finally become a Jedi, and yeah, I mean you, you I mean I. I was not very high on Outcast, and and um, you and Willow were very were were appreciative of the Jedi segments. Um, yeah, but it's funny the, because 
Yeah, you could argue it's the same as Quake 4, where it's the, the same initial... Th- it's, uh, Jedi Outcast and Quake 4 have a lot in common, where, like, oh, the first... Yeah. Uh, the opening moments are just rough. I mean, Jedi Outcast is probably... Um, in terms of just how it feels as a shooter, is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think, because, like, Singularity has it where you discover you can travel back in time, but that never really... That's just aesthetic. It never changes the game and then when you get the tmd no. that doesn't really it just it just gives you more stuff to do but it doesn't change the tone of the game in the way that this does right and it's already established earlier on that there's weird yeah wibbly wobbly time stuff happening um in the game because of the the, the portal that you that you end up accidentally falling through at one point um yeah. Yeah, so I would say of the Raven Ted, I would have to think more generally, broadly, but I think it, within the Raven games themselves, the only there is one other title that does it to a mediocre extent. We're not even talking a great ex, great extent, and that's Jedi Outcast. Yeah, um, absolutely. We're, we're basically getting your Force powers back. <laughs> and you get the cute little section where it's like you do the little training thing in Luke's temple, right. but then... Right. And, then you, and then you have the worst platforming level immediately afterwards, and it's like, oh, what the fuck? Oh, bad platforming. <laughs> uh, hey, I said, at least though, at least this game hasn't got. I mean, I guess it's damning with faint praise, but at least this game hasn't got bad platforming in it. That's true. It doesn't. It has. Yeah, it doesn't. Ba- it has bad vehicle sec. Like it is weird. Bad like, vehicle segments. It, it, again, and it's funny to think because it's like Raven Software aren't really they don't do the Valve thing of like every 10 minutes you're doing something new where sometimes you're shooting, sometimes it's a conveyor section Yeah, no, this is definitely just this is definitely just the same thing over and over again till Apart from the vehicle stuff, but the vehicle stuff is shit It feels so Apart from like, the vehicle stuff which is also, which is just each vehicle sec- section is shit in a very different way. Yeah. It's like, it, it's a different vehicle each time. Like, sometimes you're in control, sometimes you're not. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's terrible either way. Sometimes it feels super smooth and floaty. Sometimes it feels really awkward and clunky. And then sometimes you just can't, you're on a conveyor, so it just moves forward. Again, like, it, it feels like a parody yeah. of, like, it feels like, you described a Call of Duty game to somebody in the most cynical way possible, and they made a game based on that. Like, it misses all of the right. nuance of, like, why do people like those games? Which, again, goes yeah. back to the whole thing of the review that I saw, which was, like, if you're a console peasant, then, you know, th- this is going to be, like... Fan- suck it up and like it. This is going to be, like, <laughs> fine caviar to you. And it's, like, this comes out the same year as Time Split as Future Perfect. You're fucking joking, right? This is shit. This is so shit. (laughs) I tell you, I tell you, somebody else who agrees with us though about um, about this game not being very good. Uh, John Romero, um, he was interviewed in twenty sixteen about it, and he said that Quake Four is where the brand went off the rails, and I do agree with him in that respect because yeah, yeah, Quake Four doesn't appeal to I don't know. I guess if you're know who really into to. the plot of Quake 2, but even then, Quake enemy territories exist for you. Quake right. Quake 4 might as well just be its own weird... Th- it's like a... It's like a bad action movie version 
of Quake 2, which I guess fits nicely. Yeah. We're talking about Doom at the beginning of the episode. This is like the Doom movie of Quake 2. This is two. the Doom movie. This is Doom the movie, the game. <laughs> it's, King, it's Peter Jackson's King Kong Doom, the game of the movie. Gosh. Uh, bad game yeah not a good game folks um i was trying to see if i had any more notes about it no the ending overstays is welcome quick fuck that uh yeah the game had a lot in common with prey already mentioned that um oh i will say though if you did buy this game at launch for the xbox 360 you did at least come with a small bonus which is you could play a version of quake 2 which was remastered to not only run at solid 60 frames per second on the Xbox 360, but when the version of the Xbox came out, which eventually had HDMI out, it also runs at a full 1080p. Wow! Yeah, I discovered that through... um, There's a DF Retro video about it. Uh, John Linneman goes into it, and it is like one of those things that people didn't know at the time, because when the original 360 came out, it only had component support. You had to buy a later version with a hdmi cable on it and yeah it could do full 1080 with that and quake 2 is one of those one one of the rare few games on the 360 which not only was a lock 60 fps but it could also do 1080p so that's wild even if you played quake 4 if you know if you know about quake 4 for the 360 for it was a bad game at least you got a good game with it which looked at least you got a good game with it yeah yeah um IGN scored Quake 4 8 out of 10, which Ooh. that's 8 points too high in my opinion. And they say 0 out of 10. Quake 4 is one of those games that will appeal to console gamers who haven't owned a PC in years. And again, as I said, how is this doing anything more interesting than Call of Duty 2 or Far Cry or Dark Watch or Battlefront 2 that all came out the same year? Uh, Jeff Gertzman yeah. for GameSpot said, Overall, Quake 4 is a kind of a weird case. The single player is great fun. But the uninspired know, multiplayer leaves a lot to be desired. I didn't even touch the multiplayer for this. Yeah, we didn't. So, I mean, why servers don't exist for this game anymore, and we couldn't get LAN working. So if Jeff Gertzman says it's worse than the single player, then the multiplayer must be something... Pretty bad. Exceptionally bad. But... Um, Although apparently it feels like Quake Freeze Arena, which I guess if you want something that feels a little bit throwbacky, I guess. But then if you want something that feels throwbacky, just, that. just play Quake Free Arena. Yeah. Just play the Quake Free Arena. It's not that old at this point. But I got an eight out of ten from GameSpot. Fucking mad. That's <laughs> Did terrible. they play the same game that we? And again, I don't think it's because we've been spoiled by playing Wolfenstein or Nine. No, I think it. Uh, and, we we played games that came out that are older than it, that yeah. and newer than it, by the same developer, and this is just the worst compared to the rest of them. This make <laughs> Quake Four makes Soldier of Fortune look like Call of Duty Modern Warfare. It is that bad. It makes. It makes it made me super positive about Heresic when nothing else was. Yeah. It makes Jedi yeah. Outcast look like Jedi Academy is that bad. It makes Jedi Outcast look like Jedi Academy. That's saying <laughs> yeah. a lot. <laughs> that being said, though, its PC version re- received a silver sales award from the Entertainment and Leisure Software Publishers Association, indicating sales of at least 100,000 copies in the United Kingdom. So... 
I guess we can give it that. It was also the finalist for PC Gamers US's best multiplayer game of 2005, but it lost to Battlefield 2, which, of course, well, it would. I, Battlefield sure. 2 is Battlefield 2. Yes. Uh, let's do the box office game, then. Let's see, yeah, let's do the uh, box office game. Let's, let's see what it was competing against. Um, so, you probably won't be surprised to know that Quake 4 didn't make the... Um, make the charts for the 22nd of October 2005 when it would have qualified, but... It didn't? What? It didn't, I know, but I have got some games that did, so we're going to do some... We're going to do some uh, guessing here, folks. So, number one on the list in its ninth week is a Nintendo DS game. Nintendo DS? That's going to be my... um... It's nine weeks in the list, Nintendo DS. Nine Do weeks in the any? list, and I'll give you a clue. It's not one of the... It's not a franchise that they longer do. It is a franchise which is very much associated with the DS and the kind of non-gaming market that they were going for at the time. Okay, is it um, something like um, the the brain training? It's not brain training. It's, another, it's a game that might appeal to you. And a little uh-huh. furry friend that you have in your house. Oh, is it uh, Nintendogs? It is Nintendogs. <laughs> selling a total of 571,000 copies at this point. Wow. Number two on the list is a Raven Software game, but not the one that we're talking about today. Mmm. So and I something you, else? Yeah, it's yeah, not ahead. a shooter, but it's. Um, we talked about it a little bit beforehand to say... The context of what they were doing at the same time after the Jedi it's, games. It, is it, it's not like, um, number two. So it's selling pretty damn well. Yeah. Um, oh, and it's a new entry this week. So it's literally just come out. Just come out. Wow. So Raven had two, two games that came out this week, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so is it, I don't know. I don't, what, what, what's the, give me a, give me a little bit more. Um, it's the one that I described as an action RPG game. Uh, it's, it's not Heretic 2, is it? It's not Heretic 2, no. Um, it's a, it's a Marvel property. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Marvel um, Ultimate Alliance. It's the one. It's the one before Ultimate Alliance. It's the what? It's the franchise that gives them carte blanche to do Ultimate Alliance. X Men Legends. X Men Legends. There we go. Two. But who Two. are they going? Okay. Who, who are they going up against? Who's the big villain of the game in the subtitle? Famous X Men villain. Oh, is it Magneto? Not Magneto. It's the other one. Uh, if it's not Magneto, then <clears throat> the Sentinels. <laughs> it's not the Sentinels. It's, you have you have the franchise. You have Marvel and they have Thanos. They have DC and they have Darkseid. They love a guy with a big head, and the X Men have got a guy with a big head as well. Not Modok, the other one. Not Modok. Um, well, that would be um Mojo. Not Mojo. No. The guy's named after like a like a like a like a biblical calamity kind of thing. 
Oh, 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 okay. Um, it's it's uh, Apocalypse. X-Men Legends right? 2, Rise of Apocalypse for the PlayStation yes. Portable. Shifting Apoc- 12,000 copies on launch. Rise Number three in the charts Apocalypse. is another wow. PSP game, but it is yes. a sports franchise. Okay. Madden. Yes, Madden NFL 2006. <laughs> there we go. Number four on the list is a Nintendo DS game. Um, not a Nintendo franchise. It is a Konami game. Konami. Okay. Um, Castlevania? It is Something? Castlevania. Would you like to try and figure out what the subtitle is as well? For it's it's DS. It's so, DS, right? Yeah. So it's going to be... Dawn of Sorrow. Dawn of Sorrow, yeah, Castlevania. Dawn of Sorrow. In its third week on the charts, um, at now has shifted 74,000 copies. And then at number five, it is a racing game franchise from the developers of Black, which we have talked about on a previous episode of Pixel Wit. A racing... Pixel It? We're not on Pixel It, we're on Bullet Time. On a previous episode of Bullet Time, we talked about Black... <laughs> Um, and it was developed by this uh, developer who is better known for this racing game franchise. Oh, um, <clears throat> what? It's a DS? It's a PSP game. PSP game. But, um, it's, but it's, like a, it's like a little brother to the Big Brother console franchise. Okay. Is it a, is it, is it a Forza? It is not a Forza, no. Um... It is a Where's, racing game, but it's it's a racing game with attitude. A racing game with attitude? Yeah. Oh, man. Is it Crazy Taxi? <laughs> it's not Crazy Taxi, no. Um, I'm trying to think of like uh, clues that I could give you that don't immediately give it away. Um, made by Criterion Software, if that gives you more of a hint. Nah, it doesn't. No, okay. Um, it used to be their own franchise, but then it became a really big EA franchise. And it, the last entry that they made in the series was a big... It was an open-world driving game that people really liked. Um, I'm, I'm blanking. I mean, I don't know. There's, like, Need for Speed. Uh, that's... Um, but I can't... I'm, my my connection to the to the developers of these is is all over the map. Um, um, okay, I'll give you a clue, which will probably give it away. Then it's a racing game where you crash into other cars and crash your own car. Uh, that does not help me at all. Oh wow! <laughs> what is it? I'm gonna have to give it to you. It's, it's Burnout Legends. Burnout, okay. Yeah, I, I'm not super familiar with the Burnout series. You're not, you're not into the Burnout games. God. No, I I, 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 it, I I probably would like them, but I don't know, for some reason I never... Um, yeah. Oh, I loved I loved the Burnout games. It's, it's why I was so excited to cover Black, because it was like, oh my God, a shooter made by the people who made Burnout. This is going to be amazing. And you know what? It was pretty good. Certainly better than Quake so 4. The most recent, the last one that they did was... Burnout Paradise. Burnout Paradise. There's another one. Um, oh, yeah, there was probably like a... List here. Port- oh, Burnout, Burnout like Crash. Crash. Burn or something. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, which I don't, it doesn't seem like it got a full re- release, but no, okay. it was yeah. a little downloadable game. Which yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, then at number six was NBA Live 06. At number seven is Virtua Tennis World Tour. Number eight is World Series of Poker. All PSP titles. Not sure why PSP was just burning up the charts. At Dominating. Uh, yeah. Number nine is Zoo Tycoon on the DS, and then finally at number ten, Marvel Nemesis: Rise of the Imperfects. EA's answer to Marvel vs. Capcom, also on the PSP. So sure, why not? Why not, folks? Why not? Kevin, it's been wonderful having you back to talk about Quake Thank 4. You. We we tried our best to try and slog, we tried. slog through this game about Strogs. Uh, the old Strog and Slug. Strog and Slug. <laughs> Uh, even though we're not on the Pixel Lit podcast, do, would you like to promote it a little bit while you're here? Sure, yeah. Pixel Lit podcast, where we read, recap, and review uh, video game novelizations. You can find us on Twitter at Pixel Lit Pod, on Instagram at Pixel Lit Pod, and check out our website where we keep our uh, episodes and episode transcripts and all that fun stuff. PixelitPod.com. It's available to listen to on all fine podcast platforms. Nice. Uh, I'm James. Uh, as usual, you can find me over on Twitter at Hot Cider, H-O-T-C-Y-D-E-R. You can also help with the podcast by supporting us over on Patreon at the same address. Good news, though, folks. Next episode, we're actually talking about a good game, and a game that I think we both quite like in some respects, which is Wolfenstein. Not Wolfenstein 3D, not Return to Castle Wolfenstein, not Wolfenstein The New Order, the game which is just literally just called... Wolfenstein brackets 2009 because that's when it came uh, came out. But we'll be joined by Wolfenstein expert Jacob Geller, so I hope you look forward to that. But until next time, folks, keep strogging. <laughs> <laughs> ah, caught you off guard. The Bullet Time Podcast is made possible by Eric Hamilton Schneider. Valerie B, VG, and the Hot Cider support tier. If you'd like to help with the production of episodes and gain access to extra content, consider supporting over at patreon.com forward slash hot cider. That's H-O-T-C-Y-D-E-R. A special thanks to Max Coburn for the bullet time theme tune.